Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is made possible thanks to our patrons. So please join me in welcoming and thanking our new patrons. Jesse Carroll, Reese, Sniff the Lemon, Cece Vinas, Jeffrey Irvin, Allison J, Matthew Frias, Yusel Sosanto, Barbara Mooney, Courtney Stoker, Stephen Frostick, Jonathan Farron, Vaarala, Pistachio Man, Greg's Guide to New Music Podcast, Trippy Girl Riley, Gregory Marcus, Stephen Ferrara, Sam Croft, Megan Martin, Ellen, you are the best Swede ever signed John Grills. Well played. Daisy Maisie, Jessica Figueroa Cortez, Butts, 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 butts. One, two, yep, 12 butts. All right. Kelly Hurst, Harry Tickway, and James Kensurik. Are you new to the show and confused about what these people get in return for their donation? Simple. All we can give. Rewards start with shout-outs and early commercial-free access to Sunday episodes, then new weekly bonus episodes, access to our entire back catalog of Patreon-exclusive episodes, then coffee mugs, t-shirts, and even logo hoodies. If you'd like to see how you can support the podcast and get rewarded, please visit our reward tiers at patreon.com creepypod. Also, a quick note. Submissions are officially closed for the 31 Days of Horror event. Thank you to everyone who submitted their story. I'm truly sorry we can't use all your stories for whatever reason. I know it can be really hard just to put your work out there. So again, thank you. And just because we didn't use it this October doesn't mean we wouldn't like to use it for future Patreon stories. If you'd still like to submit your story to the show for consideration on Sunday episodes or our Patreon episodes, please feel free to do so through the year at reddit.com slash r slash creepypod. For us, that means it's time to start production for October. 31 Stories takes a long time to get recorded and ready without seeing the leg in regular shows or Patreon episodes. Starting now pretty much means we'll be ready just in time. I can't wait for you to hear them. But that's over two months away, and I think you're more interested in... Now... This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents Upside Down Written by Gas Station Jack With guest narration by Owen McCune, Nate Dufort, and Bex Carlos I learned something pretty interesting today. Apparently hanging upside down for too long can be fatal. 
I won't go into everything that led up to the moment of this discovery because most of it isn't important. But believe me when I say it was weird and stupid and involved thousands of leeches. We were suspended by rusty chains wrapped tightly around our bottom halves, some ten feet or so off the floor in a mysterious underground building that had somehow gone unnoticed for decades in the forest next to the gas station where I work. It was cold and damp, and our only light source was a trio of burn barrels organized in a triangle around us. And I'm pretty sure this place wasn't ventilating all that smoke properly. I was annoyed, but at least I had my co-worker Jerry there hanging next to me volunteering as a distraction from the situation at hand. To pass the time, he showed off his impressive repertoire of show tunes and told awful dad jokes despite my repeated requests for him to stop. Around the two or three hour mark, our captor came back to check and see how we were doing. Or maybe he was there to taunt us. I don't really know. His motives were unclear. At first, when I heard the metal door scrape open, I was relieved that we were finally getting this show on the road. I don't want to sound ungrateful, but there's only so many times I can hear Jerry ask if his joke has gone under my head. He walked into the room slowly, one deliberate step after the other. I'm sure he had theme music playing in his mind and probably thought this looked way cooler than it actually did. He was wearing cargo pants, a black leather jacket, and an apron splattered with blood. In one hand, he held a machete. In the other, an oversized hook. And on his face, he wore the stupidest mask I had ever seen. Some kind of nightmare Bugs Bunny with black fur, sharpened buck teeth, and pointy elongated ears that scraped the top of the doorframe as he entered. He pointed the machete right at me and said something in an intimidating yet muffled voice. What? I asked. He repeated himself, now slightly more annoyed, but still as equally muffled. What's he saying? I have no idea. The man in the mask made a muffled scream and shook his weapon at us. Dude, just take the mask off! Jerry said, interrupting the muffle. Yeah, we know that's you, Bo. We're not idiots. You smell like Axe body spray and you've been casing the gas station for a week now. His name was Bo Kovia, and he'd been a huge jerk as long as I'd known him. We met back in elementary school and established on day one that we weren't ever going to be friends. He wasn't the first person I'd have expected to resort to kidnapping and torture, but I wasn't all that surprised at this development either. It'd be generous for me to say that Bo was a product of his upbringing. Sure, he came from a stupid, angry family in a stupid, angry town. And one might be tempted to say that he never had much of a chance of breaking the cycle. But I feel like maybe that's letting Bo off the hook too easily. My memories of Bo growing up mostly revolve around attempts to avoid him in gym class. And out of gym class. And everywhere. In 10th grade, Bo had a brief stint of popularity after the school board refused his grant request for $5,000 to sponsor a high school clan club, a student organization intended to celebrate Anglo-Saxon heritage by driving four-wheelers around in the mud. He and his father, well, mostly his father, sued on the basis of racial discrimination and settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. After that, he started shopping for clothes exclusively at Hot Topic and wearing his ginger orange hair and spikes like a 90s punk rocker. Then he printed off a bunch of copies of the Anarchist Cookbook from the computer lab, started selling cigarettes in the school parking lot, 
spray painted a bunch of swastikas on the English teacher's car, and eventually made a name for himself as an edgy, too cool for school kid. Shortly after all that, he literally became the too dumb for school kid, and got kicked out for bad grades and chronic truancy. They sued the school again, but I never heard how that case turned out. I didn't keep up with him, except for what I overheard at the gas station. He was still stupid and angry, and he blamed everyone else for everything. From his multiple DWIs to his sudden and inexplicable weight gain. Bo was always pretty husky, but these days he was about four foot tall lying flat on his back, which was one more reason why it was so pointless for him to wear a mask. When we first noticed Bo hanging out in the gas station, I assumed he was just planning on robbing us. He was never anything even remotely clever, but the level of suspicious he was behaving was on the verge of comical. Wearing a hat and trench coat, parking his truck at the edge of the lot, squinting to see if we had any security cameras anywhere in the building, coming in twice a day and never buying anything. Then last Friday, he tried to talk up the female cashier while they were alone. I'm sure he thought he was being seductive, but that's the power of self-delusion for you. Rosa told me all about it after I came in to take over the safe. He asked if we had any hidden weapons in the store. Because if I needed it, he was more than happy to stick around and offer me his protection. Well, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Did he open with that? He started by being really super creepy and asking me about where I was from, how long I had worked here, yada yada. Then he asked if I was alone. Why would he think that was okay to ask? What did you tell him? I lied. I said, you, Jerry, and Mac were in the back, rotating inventory. Who's Mac? He's just a guy I made up to tell Bo. Mac is an ex-Marine with impulse control problems. He's just trying to do right by his ex-wife ever since they let him out at the slammer, where he did time for a crime he just didn't commit. All he wants to do is be part of his kids' lives and make some extra money here at the gas station while he takes night classes to get his MBA. But an old acquaintance from his days in the service comes back into his life suddenly and unexpectedly, pulling Mac down a rabbit hole that will challenge everything he stands for. Will Mac make the right call? Find out in Mac the Knife! Anyway, we need to call Deputy O'Brien. There's not really much you can do until he actually breaks a law. Can we put a gun under the counter? Do you have any idea how ridiculous it is that we don't keep a stash of weapons here at the gas station? I'll think about it. I did think about it. I really did. I even came to the conclusion that Rosa was right. We should start arming ourselves, just in case. But then I got lazy and started reading a book. Then I forgot about it. And then last night I came in to take over for Jerry and start my overnight shift, but he wasn't there. Instead of Jerry, I found this fat dummy holding a machete and a gun, wearing his silly rabbit mask and forcing me into the back cab of his truck. Then he drove me out into the woods, down an old dirt road, to a giant metal bunker door, and walked me inside, down a concrete hallway coated in dirt and graffiti, past rooms half-flooded with stagnant rainwater, past giant metal silos and crumbling columns and metal beams, and finally into this huge empty room where he tied me up with chains and hoisted me to the ceiling next to Jerry. And that's how we got here. Between knock-knock jokes and Jerry's terrible acapella rendition of Broadway hits, we wondered out loud what Bo's endgame was. 
The room he placed this in contained a giant pentagram freshly painted on one wall with a ladder, brush, and an open can from Sherwin-Williams sitting next to it. After that, I surmised all the blood on Bo's apron was actually just paint. The best theory we could come up with was that he'd gone off the deep end and was planning to sacrifice us to the devil. Turns out, our theory wasn't that far off. Bo finally took off the mask, revealing the look of annoyance on his chubby round face. You shit sticks don't even know what kind of hurt you're in for, do you? A moment passed and I said, Oh, wait, were you waiting for an answer? Sorry, thought you were being rhetorical. You think you're so smart, don't you? Well, you know what? You aren't. Wow, clever. Come on, Bo. Just let us down from here. We can pretend this whole thing never happened. No, we won't. As soon as you let us go, I swear I'm headed straight down to the sheriff's station and hand your ass in. And there's nothing you can do to stop me or change my mind. I cut my eyes at him and muttered a quiet, Shut up. Something must have clicked in his head because Jerry started to backtrack. Oh. Oh. Yeah, you're, you're right. Never mind, Bo. I forgive you. Now, let us go. Or else. Bo let out a forced laugh that didn't sound even remotely convincing and said, <laughs> You're staying here for the rest of eternity. This is where you'll die. Did you know that the Chinese use death from hanging upside down as their most feared form of torture? Again, I caught myself waiting for him to continue, only to realize he was asking us a question. Oh, uh, no. No, I didn't. Let me explain to you the different stages of pain you will go through before death. First, you will feel your lungs slowly being crushed under the weight of your other organs until the very act of breathing becomes nearly impossible. Then, your heart will overload from the extra work of pumping blood all the way to your toes and back. Then, the vessels in your eyes will rupture. You will go permanently blind as you struggle for each breath. And then, after you're finally dead, I will bleed you dry and leave your bodies down here to rot. I'm not a doctor, but none of that sounded right. However, I wasn't about to tell Bo that he needed up his torture game. Hey! Bo yelled, pointing his machete at the guy hanging on the other side of Jerry. What's going on with that one? By that one, he was referring to Mel, the new part-timer that Jerry had been training when Bo came in earlier to kidnap him. It was only his first day. The poor guy was already in a secret underground torture chamber. Jerry answered, yeah, he passed out, like, right off the bat. We've been trying to wake him up, but he is lights out hard. Hey, Mel. Mel, wake up! You're missing the villain monologue! Jerry swung an arm at Mel, but we were all suspended just out of reach of one another. Is that guy dead already? I studied Mel for a moment, but couldn't see any breathing or other signs of life. Yeah, I think he is. Wow! Bo said with a strange smile. Took my first life. Now I know how it feels. This power, it's amazing. It's something you pathetic sheep are never gonna feel. 
you'll never know the power of snuffing out another person's very existence. Jerry chuckled and said, <laughs> Okay, dude. Oh, this is it. I have everything I need. Do you idiots want to guess what's about to happen next? No. We both answered at the same time. Now I have what I need to summon forth the beast caver again. He is an eternal being from another world, stronger than even you can fathom. I've given him everything he needs to enter our realm, except for the final ingredient. The blood of a man in tortured anguish. Bo went to the corner where the chains were all connected to an old crank device and turned the wheel until Mel's body was lowered all the way to the floor. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Then he unhooked Mel's chains, listened for a heartbeat. Really, he should have done those two in the opposite order. And dragged Mel across the floor to the spot in front of the pentagram. Hey, dude. When we get out of this, man, I, I think we should seriously reconsider buying a shotgun or something for the store. Bo got down on his knees and fished a large pocket knife out of his cargo pants, flicked it open, and kissed it. You losers about to see something you're not even worthy to behold. The gates of hell will open, and you will literally be in the presence of the Dark Lord Cavergan. Tell me, have either of you seen an actual god before? Yes, yes. we said in unison. I looked over at Jerry. Wait, really? When did you see a god? It was back when you were in the hospital for a few days getting your leg thing taken care of. There was this bat god named Plabu or something. He was trapped in a small universe thing inside a bottle of Strega liquor. Of course, I was on a lot of mushrooms at the time, so I might have imagined it all. What about you? Remember that time we were all escaping the zombie nudists in that underground cavern and we got separated by those giant hands that burst out of the walls? Yeah, I got sucked into this throne room of a dark tree god. Turned out to be pretty cool, though. Of course, I was on a lot of painkillers at the time, so I might have imagined it all. Our lives are weird. Hey, I'm being serious here. This is real, and you're about to see for yourselves. Watch! With two hands around the hilt, he plunged the knife into Mel's chest. Mel's eyes shot open and he screamed and bolted ah! to his feet. It worked! Mel is a zombie! Mel screamed again and looked at the weapon sticking out of his chest. Ah! Mel! Go get help! Bo struggled to get his fat ass to his feet, but Mel turned around, punched him in the face, and darted out the door down the hallway. Get back here! Bo screamed as he threw his hook after the escaping victim. It clanged against the wall several feet from the door and fell to the ground, and Bo huffed and ran out after him. A few minutes later, Bo came back in the room with his head hung low, his eyes red and watery, and snotty blood flowing messily from his nostrils. It looked like that punch might have left Bo with a broken nose, and, as pathetic as he looked, I couldn't possibly feel sorry for him. This is all your fault! How do you figure? You lied to me! You tricked me into believing Mel was actually dead! 
Joey snapped his fingers and said, Mm-mm. Bitch, get off this persecution complex. You are the one that brought us down here to torture us to death. You don't get to cry over how we weren't nice to you. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, so you said. Cherry taunted back. Bo wiped his bloody nose off on his sleeve and flung it to the ground, then screamed again. You have no idea how powerful I'm gonna be. You're gonna learn your place. You're all gonna respect me. And when I'm done, I... He stopped mid-sentence and his face went pale. Then he turned and looked at his bloody splatter on the floor, then at the pentagram on the wall. What? He stammered to nobody in particular. Jerry gave me a look that said, This dude is four equal sides short of a square. Oh, yes, of course. He was speaking to the wall. So, like, you want to let us down now or what? Bo looked at me with a giant ugly smile and asked, Do you guys hear that too? Hear what? That voice. He's right there. Bo pointed at the pentagram. He can hear me. And he's telling me that I've done well. The blood was good. My blood. He just needs more. Uh, uh, Of course. All he needs to come forth is for me to make the ultimate sacrifice. Bo picked up his machete with his right hand and held it to his left wrist. Then closed his eyes and took a deep breath. This is it. This is why he chose me to summon Caver Gown. Because he knew when the time came, I would have the strength to do what's necessary. Who chose you for what? I'm lost. Yeah, me too. I really wasn't paying attention. Was Mel a zombie or what? Bo opened his eyes, forced another fake laugh, and said, (laughs) There is a man in town. I never got his name, but I didn't have to. He found me. He offered me a job. He gave me purpose. And now, I'm part of something greater than myself. All he asked is that I summer Kafergan into this world. It's all part of the great plan. And soon, it will be finished. It is an honor to be able to give my life so Kafergan can rise. He closed his eyes and lifted the machete, then slowly put it back against his skin. Then we waited, for like 30 seconds. Eventually, Jerry's voice crept into the silence in his best Emperor Palpatine voice. Yes, that's it. Do it. Let the darkness be your strength. Let the anger guide you. Let the hate flow through you. Dude, quit it. You're gonna mess him up. Both threw the weapon to the ground and screamed at us again. You bitches have no idea what it's like. How hard I have to struggle. I've gone my entire life putting up with shit stains like you two trying to keep me down. And I'm sick and tired of it. Soon, Gam will come and all the people that make my life worse, all you people, will get exactly what you deserve. I'd actually forgotten that he still had a gun until this moment, when he pulled it out of the waistband of his cargo pants and said, This is what real strength looks like. And put it in his mouth. I closed my eyes and braced for the noise. This was going to be super gross, and I really didn't care to watch. After a few seconds, he still hadn't pulled the trigger, and I opened one eye to see that he was frozen there with a gun still in his mouth. Hey man, I have an idea. 
you're clearly having trouble riding that struggle bus over there. Why don't you let me down from here? Give me the gun and let me kill you. Yeah? Right? Sound good? You want to die? I want to kill you. It's a win-win. Bo pulled the gun out of his mouth at the sound of a wet plop and spat on the ground. You don't have what it takes to kill somebody. No, really. I've got a total hard-on for homicide. Just ask Jack. It's true. Before we worked at the gas station, Jerry was the only surviving member of a murder cult. Bo walked angrily over to the crank wheel and started lowering Jerry to the ground. Holy shit, is this actually working? Bo took the chains off Jerry, tossed the gun next to him, then held the machete like a baseball bat right underneath me and said, Okay, asshole, here's the deal. You can't back out now. If you don't spill my blood and open the portal, I'm going to kill your friend. (laughs) Jerry didn't hesitate for one second to shoot. Bo screamed and flopped onto the ground, hugging the foot with a fresh bullet hole. Then Jerry fished his pack of smokes out of his pocket, lit one up, and took a puff. Hey, uh, dude? You want to let me down from here now? But before he could answer, the fire from the burn barrels started flaring up, roaring and growing. Before we knew what was happening, they had formed giant cyclones of burning red and blue, blazing swirls that climbed to the ceiling. As the heat from the fire swept over me, I saw a crystallic, sparkling light in the center of the pentagram grow from the size of a pinprick into an enormous, swirling vortex of pure, shimmering lights. Well, check that out! Bo started frantically laughing, and I think he was just about to give us a smug, I told you so. But before he could, an enormous, skeletal hand reached out from the void and grabbed him around the waist. I can't describe exactly what this hand looked like because I don't think the entity it belonged to was a part of our world or understanding of physics. It was, at the exact same time, the size of a normal human arm and the size of Manhattan Island. It was a color that's never existed. It had five fingers, and each fingertip split into five more fingers, which each broke into five fingers, which broke into five more fingers ad infinitum. I could somehow hear the creature's arm moving with my eyes and the smell of its flesh was very similar to gumdrops. Jerry later insisted it smelled like spiced rum. Bo let out a gasp as the infinite fingers squeezed around him, then the arm dragged him slowly through the swirling void. (gasps) Holy shit! That asshole had my wallet! Jerry! I yelled to get his attention. When he looked back at me, I pointed at the spot on the ground where dumbass Bo's foot blood had started to pool. You have to figure out a way to close the portal. Jerry put his lit cigarette between his lips, unzipped his fly, and started pissing into the puddle of blood. And amazingly, that worked. A noise like a crack of thunder filled the room and the portal disappeared. Along with all of our light as the fires from the burn barrels immediately extinguished themselves. In the darkness, all I could hear was the sound of Jerry pissing on the floor. After a while, he finished up and said, Wow, that's a relief. Man, I gotta tell you, I've been holding it ever since he kidnapped us. You gonna let me down now, or... Sorry, I'm on it. It took about ten minutes for him to find the wheel in the dark and lower me to the ground. By the time we got the chains off, we could hear the sirens growing louder in the distance. Deputy O'Brien took our statements then balled them up and threw them away and told us to try again. 
Our second version of events left out the part where an evil being reached into our world to grab Bo and drag him into a hell dimension. She informed us that the building was some kind of satellite power plant from the 50s. The place was being shut down and demolished, but they forgot about the basement level, and after a few years, nature reclaimed it. From the looks of things, Bo had been living out there by himself. Officially, he was a lone gunman. A single maniac. And with him gone, we had nothing to worry about. Unofficially, we're all a little on edge about who hired him to summon a demon. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. Either way, we need to find someone to replace Mel. Because something tells me he isn't coming back to work anytime soon. In other news, I just learned that the carnival's coming to town soon. So that's pretty exciting. I was annoyed, but at least I had my co-worker Jerry there hanging next to me, volunteering as a distraction from the situation at hand. To pass the time, he showed off his impressive repertoire of show tunes and told awful dad jokes despite my repeated requests for him to stop. Tooth hurty. <laughs> tooth hurty. You get it because he's, he's tooth hurty. If I was a rich dude, well, I have all the money in the world. If I was a wealthy dude. Hey, Jack, how come you're not laughing at my jokes, man? Did you hear about the guy who invented lifesavers? They say he made a mint. <laughs> made a mint. When you see a gent paying all kinds of rent, you can bet that he's doing it for some doll. That's so good. All right. Why do chicken coops only have two doors? Because if they had four, they'd be chicken sedans. <laughs> Hey, Jack, that joke was funny, man. What happened? Go under your head? <laughs> under your head, because we're upside down, man. I don't want to sound ungrateful, but there's only so many times I can hear Jerry ask if his joke has gone under my head. Memories alone in the moonlight. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. All right, check this out. Two peanuts were walking down the street. One was assaulted. Uh, assault. <laughs> assaulted. One was assaulted. <laughs> There's a woman in the next town over. You know, she's on trial for beating her husband to death with his guitar collection. The judge says, first offender. She goes, no, first a Gibson, then offender. <laughs> You're doing fine, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. Oh, you know, Jack, I, before I worked at the store, I used to have a job at the calendar factory. But I got fired because I cooked, took a couple days off. <laughs> I feel pretty. So pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. But, but not that not that kind of gay, though. Gay like happy. You know, you know how it means like that. It means happy, too. Are these all funny jokes going under your head, man? <laughs> under your head? Get it? Going under your head. Because we're hanging upside down, man. Our heads are pointed down to the floor. We're hanging, suspended. So the jokes, instead of going over your head, they go under your... Man, it's a tough crowd. 
For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at creepypod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Item number. SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.